The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. One month ago, the Irish left the field after an epic upset loss to Marshall, a sullen, and in at least one case, angry football team. Oh, and they had lost their QB1 for the season. At 0-2 on the year and 0-3 in the Marcus Freeman era, the Irish and their freshly minted head coach faced full-blown, five-alarm adversity. Post-game, Freeman offered the following. We have to look at ourselves from the head coach on down and say, what do we have to do to fix the issues we're having? Well, the reboot seems to be working. It was baby steps the next week against Cal, a 24-17 win, and after a worse-than-bad start, Drew Pine started to show some confidence, and the running game showed a pulse. Then came the matchup against North Carolina, a suddenly-looking-as-good-as-build pass rush, scored sacks and hurries, and the running game, spurred on by a gelling offensive line, landed a three-headed punch by the name of Estime, Tyree, and Diggs. The Irish controlled the game most of the day en route to a 45-32 victory. After a bye week, the reboot made more progress against number 16 BYU last week. Drew Pine took his accuracy to a new level and added a flair of improv to his game. Michael Mayer showed that he is the best college tight end in the world, and the defense came up with timely stops and held another good quarterback to well below his season standard. Mix in an emerging playmaker in receiver Jaden Thomas, and the Irish scored a 28-20 Shamrock Series triumph. And suddenly you're left asking, where was this team against Marshall? Notre Dame Football 2022 has evolved into a physical team capable of controlling the line of scrimmage and the clock. The best college tight end in the world and assorted other offensive weapons are now under the management of Drew Pine, and they are flourishing. The defense is making plays and holding teams to the kind of points that should win against every team left on the schedule this side of Clemson and USC, and just might be able to beat those two as well. Yes, there are flaws, plenty of them, but you get the feeling this team will do whatever it takes to find a way to stop giving up a couple of big plays each week that have kept opponents in the game, and to make a tweak or two on offense. If that happens, 2022 will go down as a season that went from 0-2 to one to truly remember. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill is located on Illinois Road. Look for new Fort Wayne locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and refreshing Coors Light. Made to chill. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. 
Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Well, Tim Priester, it's glad to see you made it back from Vegas in one piece. Tell us what you thought about that pretty awesome game day atmosphere. It was a great game day atmosphere. My first trip to Vegas, I mean, everything's fast and furious. But, uh, yeah, in the stadium, I mean, the Notre Dame fans outnumbered the BYU fans, not by as much as I anticipated because I don't think we saw a lot of BYU fans out and about in Vegas. But, uh, man, they were loud. The BYU fans were very, very impressive. And whenever the momentum would shift in their favor – um, you know, you kind of you kind of felt it from their crowd. Uh, you sure did. It, to me, <laughs> the atmosphere out there felt like I was at a big bowl game, and uh, it was tremendous. Uh, and all I can say, uh, it seems to me, I mean, Vegas and Notre Dame football are two of my favorite things in the world. And you combine the two, and it's you know, it's like nuclear fission or whatever that would be. But it was it was really spectacular weekend. Maybe ten more years, and we'll get to go back for another game like that because I think Notre Dame was impressed as well. Tim Drew Pine, he seems to have gotten better each week. Last week he added a little improv to his game, and I'm talking about that little flip he completed as he was being tackled. Uh, and but we saw him throw some passes, unlike we have seen from Notre Dame quarterback for a few years. Talk about what we're seeing in his development, and maybe compare him a little bit to uh, quarterbacks of the past, like maybe Ian Book. He was great. I mean, he was as accurate as he's been in his three starts, and it's it's nice to have Michael Mayer makes you more accurate. But I, but uh, he, he Drew Pine was very very good, and they needed him. To be, you know, the the running game uh, uh, for two games in a row now, Notre Dame has been extremely balanced between run and pass, and and Pine was accurate. He got he moved the ball around. He got, you know, he would have had a, a, a bigger day if Chris Tyree doesn't drop a screen pass. He probably gets over three hundred yards passing for the day. So you know, he was he was very good, and he continues to grow. The offensive line continues to play very, very well, and it's good to see a guy like Jaden Thomas get involved with the wide receiver core because Notre Dame needs that balance in the passing game. Yeah, I want to talk more about Jaden Thomas, but specifically what you know we're seeing him do, I mean, him going through his progressions, and can you comment on that a little bit? Because, and that's where I, the comparison to Ian Book comes through. Ian Book would take off and run. Drew Pine is doing a better job of standing in there. you agree? Yeah, I do. I, and I think that in three starts, there are three things that Ian, uh, that uh, Drew Pine does that that book couldn't do. Number one, he can stand in there, deliver a pass on target and take a hit. Book would not stand in there in those situations. Secondly, he will, uh, you know, he'll go through his progressions. Uh, and if somebody is open, he will, 
you know, he will find him. And in the process of that, the third thing, he is so calm and patient in the pocket that he is in a position to find those receivers when they do pop open. Yeah, well, he just seems to be, uh, you know, he's never going to be the runner that Ian Book was, but he's just more decisive than Book uh, about letting go of those passes. And, uh, you know, it's promising. We've still got uh, a few more games to go. Um, uh, The jury is still out, as they say, but uh, it's looking good right now with Drew Pine. Uh, Revelation from Jason Garrett on the NBC broadcast as to what they are calling this – ND offense inside the Goog these days. Tim, what is the scan offense? To put it succinctly, it's you know, they, they, they're running at different tempos, uh, and one of them is to get to the line of scrimmage right away, align, force the defense to commit to a specific alignment themselves, and then Tommy Reese from the press box, if he wants to make a change, he, of course, gives the verbal command to the signalers on the sideline. And they signal uh, to the offense. So what it what it allows you to do is to see the defense to make the change after the defense has committed by authenticating. That was the term that uh, Jason Gary used by authenticating the play that they want to run offensively. And then the problem for the defense is, you know, whereas the offense can look over to the sideline and get the play call, the defense doesn't necessarily have that option because they don't know when Notre Dame's going to snap the ball. So it dictates tempo. Uh, they can play at various tempos. Usually when we talk about tempo, we mean fast pace. And in some instances, that's the case. But in other instances, they go ahead and huddle up and control the tempo. So it's tempo. Uh, and as Jason Garrett said, it it creates a calm quarterback. And that's what Drew Pine is right now. Yeah, calm quarterback helped a lot by uh, the, the weapons he has around him. No question about that. And I'm just amazed when you think about that process, as it's been described, that you just described, that all that thinking and changing of plays takes place in such a short period of time. I mean, that's that's some good stuff right there. Tim, you made the statement in your Tale of the Tape article this week that Michael Mayer is the best tight end in Notre Dame history. Now, I am not disagreeing with you at all, but defend that statement a little bit. Tell us why he's the best tight end in Notre Dame history. Well, you and I are old enough, Phil, to remember the the beginning of the tight end position. I mean, basically, you know, Dave Casper at Notre Dame and the, the evolution of the position. There have been so many great ones in Notre Dame, including Tyler Eifert that didn't, you know, from Fort Wayne that didn't play that that long ago at Notre Dame. But, I mean, this guy is just, it, it, it's it's just a little bit more of everything. He has size, his ability to get open as wide receiver-like. And I really think that, that his game has become wide receiver-like when you see the agility and the spreads out. And then he swallows it, swallows the football with his hands. So, I mean, when you add everything up, a bigger guy that can block too. I don't know that he's a great blocker, but he's a, he's a quality blocker, certainly. So you add that to his game and I, you know, we've seen a ton of great tight ends in Notre Dame, but I don't, I don't think anybody can exceed him. And now he has the, the numbers, the stats, the records to validate it. Yeah, and what a game he had uh, last Saturday. Tim, a loss on the defensive line last week. Jacob Lacey transferring. You called this story heartbreaking, and I understand why, but tell us why is that a heartbreaking story? Well, it was heartbreaking because Jacob Lacey, he didn't didn't want to stop playing football at Notre Dame, but he had to make a decision in the best interest of his future, at least as he saw it. And if he left 
after four games, he'd be able to preserve a year of eligibility. and He would still have two left, which, um, you know, you feel good for him there because he'll get a good landing spot and he'll play on a regular basis. But, I mean, heartbreaking from a standpoint that when you read his his message that he put out, uh, you know, he's it, it, sorrow. I mean, he used the word, the sorrow that he felt in leaving Notre Dame. And he's, you know, those of us have been around him a little bit. I haven't interviewed him a bunch, but I've interviewed him a couple times. And he's just such an earnest, great kid with the, uh, you know, I mean, that that is, was a team first guy, but at a certain point, he had to make a decision. They're trying to get bigger on the interior defensive line. He's only about 280. They get pushed around a little bit sometimes between the between the ends, and 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 they need a little bit of bulk. So they were trying to get Gabe Rubio in, who's 6'5", 295, and, and uh, some other people, Riley Mills, will bump in there. And it was just costing Jacob Lacey time. But I thought it was heartbreaking because I think you could tell that it was an extremely difficult decision for him to leave his team, his school, where – he will get his degree upon the completion of the semester. Yeah, you hit it right on the the dime right there at the end where you say he is leaving Notre Dame with his degree. So uh, good luck to Jacob Lacey, without a doubt. And uh, he'll be missed. And and along those lines, tell us about where this is a depth chart. You mentioned a couple of the guys look like a defensive tackle. And and last week, we could have used Jacob Lacey in the game, without a doubt, with Howard Cross out. Yeah, there's no doubt. I I don't know that we anticipated – Cross not not playing at all in that game, so it's a little bit more of Chris Smith. Of course, you still have Jason Adam Alola in there, and, and he's a mainstay. But you know what? He's not that big, really. When when you add it all up, he's about two eighty five. It's hard to keep weight during the season. So, you know, Rubio's going to play more. Chris Smith, who um, you know is a nose tackle. I don't know how much lateral speed he has, but he's strong, and so they need him to to hold the point of attack, and they don't. You know, they can bump Riley Mills inside, which is always a good option when when Nano Safa Mensa plays as effectively as he did last Saturday. That gives you the ability to uh to shift Riley inside and do some things with him. So yeah, the depth chart has taken a hit. They need Howard Cross back. He's expected to play. Well, I guess we'll into that when we get to the injury report. But uh yeah, they missed Jacob. He's he was a good player. He was really effective against Cal. And then barely played against North Carolina, and that was that. Was that. Yeah, that's just uh, an, an unfortunate situation. Tim, giving up big plays uh, has been an obvious flaw of this defense. I would also throw in the uh, really long drives that they've given up at times. You know, you just harken back to the two really long ones by North Carolina, and then last week the 53-yarder that kept those plays kept North Carolina in the game, and then BYU back in the game last week. Al Golden talked about it this week. Tim, what can the Irish do, and what are they doing? First of all, he, he took blame for a couple of the defensive calls that he's made. And, and look, I don't have I don't have any problem with safety. Why would we have any problem with safety blitzes? Blitzes there are safety blitzes because they can be effective. But but two things have to happen when you do that. And it started with if you remember the double safety blitz against Ohio State that the the, the double safety blitz cost them points in the second half when uh, when they couldn't afford to give up any more and. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but two things have to happen. Number one, the blitzer has to get home or at least alter the quarterback's ability to throw the football. Number two, the guys on the back end need to know what they're doing 
And we've seen evidence of that they're not exactly sure what they're doing, including including Jaden Mickey, a freshman who, who made a bad decision on the 53-yard touchdown. So, um, you know, I mean, you can play it a little bit more conservatively. It seems to make sense because for a vast majority of the season, the defense has played pretty well. But, you know, those are just words that don't mean a whole lot when you give up an 80-yard touchdown pass, a 60-yard touchdown pass like they did in the second half against North Carolina, and then the 53-yard against BYU. So, Al Golden's got to be a little bit more prudent in some of the decisions that he makes. Yeah, that I, these do seem to be solvable problems, which is uh, the good news. And uh, they're still holding teams to under their averages and points uh, and yards and, and things that matter. Those are going to lead to good results. One player did emerge for the Irish last week, and it was great to see Jaden Thomas, redshirt freshman, uh, three catches, 74, 75 yards, including a tremendous catch in the end zone. What does his emergence potentially bring to this offense? Well, it gives some options for Drew Pine. He doesn't have to force feed Michael Mayer all the time. He has, you know, potentially, again, it's just one game, but, um, you know, uh, Lorenzo Styles up to this point has been the, the main receiver. Uh, you know, Jaden Thomas, He's a big physical kid. I don't, I think I wrote it. I mean, I, it doesn't matter if he gets a pass offensive interference call. Use your physicality and try to make a play. And he really did that in this instance um, against one of the corners uh, for BYU and turn it into a touchdown. They need that. I don't know if it's going to be consistent, but I would think that it would certainly raise his confidence that, hey, you know, I can play on this. Not only can I play on this level, but I can make big plays on this level. So hopefully that's a breakthrough. Uh, let's see if he can develop some consistency because Braden Lindsay hasn't been able to do that. And so that's why they've thrown to the running backs more because they just haven't had a ton of options besides uh, Michael Mayer and Lorenzo Styles. Yeah, it, it would be nice to have that physical receiver. Notre Dame has not had that this year, without a doubt. Even Lorenzo Styles really isn't that style of pass catcher Jaden Thomas maybe can fill that role he sure did on the one play it was a tremendous effort Tim Marcus Freeman learning on the job definitely is growing it seems week to week his demeanor and it seems different on the sideline than it did a few weeks ago talk about what you have seen in his evolution as a head coach I thought it was pretty striking if you saw him during the BYU game it was mainly you know hands on knees Locked in, dialed in, not emotional. I think we saw him uh, pretty emotional in some of the early games, especially Marshall, which you can imagine uh, having been a <laughs> having been a coach. I know when you you know you lost the first game, and now you're thinking this is a win, and yeah, uh, it, it becomes apparent that you're probably going to lose to Marshall. So I think he's gotten in control of his emotions. He seems dialed in into his decision making, which is exactly what. He needs to do. I, I think we see evidence. You know, I asked him after the Marshall game about his inexperience. I think in the three last three games, which all are Notre Dame wins, I've seen. Think we've seen him uh, evolve into a guy that's a little bit more dialed in and not letting some of the peripheral stuff impact his demeanor and staying focused on the task at hand. I thought that was kind of obvious in watching the TV version of the game. Yeah, that's what I was seeing, too. He just seems to be starting to feel a little more comfortable in his role, and that's a good sign of growth. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, 
and the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 375th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Michael Mayer has played in 29 career games for the Irish and made at least one catch in each of those games. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Howe. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The Stanford Cardinal is in town this weekend. TV coverage on NBC begins at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year we're focusing on the Fighting Irish quarterback since 1988. So far, Tony Rice, Rick Meyer, Kevin McDougal, Ron Paulus, Jarius Jackson, Brady Quinn, and this week, Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen was the youngest of three brothers who all played quarterback in college. 6'2", 220 pounds, he had good size, and a lightning-fast release. And he was a perfect 42-0 as a prep quarterback out of Westlake Village, California. During his senior year in Westlake, he tossed an impressive 49 touchdown passes and was named as the USA Today Offensive Player of the Year. He came to Notre Dame to play for Charlie Weiss in 2007 as one of the most highly touted quarterback prospects ever. In order to fill a void that Brady Quinn had left, he was thrown right into the breach, becoming the Irish starter in the second game of his freshman season. Plagued by poor protection, he was sacked 34 times, but still managed to throw for 1,254 yards and seven touchdowns in part-time duty in year one. Overall, things were never perfect for Clawson at ND, as the Irish lost football games and Clawson went through growing pains. After a 3-9 and nine mark his freshman year, the Irish went 7-6 and six in year two. A highlight of that season was a win on Christmas Eve in the Hawaii Bowl. That day, Clawson hit on 22 of 26 passes for 401 yards and five touchdowns, three of them to his top receiver, Golden Tate. 
Things were still not great overall in Clawson's third season in what turned out to be Charlie Weiss's final year. But Clawson put up great numbers, 3,722 yards, a 69% completion rate, 22 TDs, and only four interceptions. The numbers, however, were not enough to save Charlie Weiss's job as the Irish went 6-6 six and six, and Clawson made the decision to turn pro. In his three-year college career, Clawson made his mark on the Notre Dame record book, and despite the feelings that many fans had about his cocky demeanor, he showed toughness on the field while playing with what was arguably a less-than-stellar supporting cast. He frequently shook off injuries, and he kept on competing. Tim, Jimmy Clawson was to be an obvious choice to be included on this list, but I've had some pushback from many fans who just don't like him, and they seem to think he was something of like the root of all evil. What are your thoughts on Jimmy Clawson? Well, his last year at Notre Dame, and he had another year of eligibility. It would have been interesting to see if he would have, what he could have done under under Brian Kelly, but uh, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, I you know Brady Quinn put up huge numbers and uh, uh, even even greater numbers in in a single season, uh, but Jimmy Clawson threw like twenty five passes less uh, in in their comparative best seasons. But I, I I I thought the thing that differentiated him from Brady Quinn was that Clawson was more accurate. You know, I mean Quinn had. Samarja and he he had some he had some weapons, but um, Clausen's last year at Notre Dame, he was his numbers were phenomenal, and it, it it took a while. He was not he probably shouldn't have played as a freshman. Uh, he was not strong enough to handle that, but they really didn't have much choice. But I mean, as far as a, a single season at Notre Dame, I would put Jimmy Clausen's uh, final season Notre Dame as a junior up against anybody that's ever played quarterback in Notre Dame. Yeah, it was just a tremendous season, no question about it. Uh, Clawson, uh, after leaving after his third year, drafted in the second round by the Carolina Panthers and had a six-year pro career. And he returned to Notre Dame during the 2011 offseason and finished his degree in sociology. Jimmy Clawson, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero, the Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. Stanford is 1-4. On opening day, they defeated Colgate. Since then, they have fallen to three ranked teams, USC, Washington, Oregon, and then last week to Oregon State, 28-27. Not so long ago, an annual take-it-to-the-bank top 25 team every year, the Cardinal has fallen on some hard times. Three and nine a year ago, they've lost 11 of their last 12, and over the last three seasons, 12-year head coach David Shaw is 12-22. and 22. The Cardinal offense is a pass-rush first-half operation, averaging 29 points per game, 261 yards passing, and 138 yards rushing. They rank 70th nationally in total offense. Stanford does have an NFL prospect quarterback. Six foot six, 230 pound Tanner McKee is a 64% passer who has thrown 10 TD passes and five interceptions. McKee won't run the ball much and has been sacked 17 times, the 126th worst mark in the country. Stanford's offensive line is in a state of flux due to injury. Among other issues, two starters were lost last week. McKee's top receiver is 6'2", senior Michael Wilson. Wilson has 17 catches on the season, good for 352 yards and four TDs. Tight end Benjamin Urasek 
expected to be kind of Michael Mayer-like on this offense this year as their leading receiver's threat has 15 receptions and just 134 yards on the year. Leading the running game is junior Casey Filkins. He's scored four TDs and is averaging 4.1 yards per carry. Junior E.J. Smith, son of NFL Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, was expected to lead the Cardinal ground game, but was injured against USC and is out for the season. Stanford's defense is giving up 38.5 points per game, 120th in the nation, and 485 yards of offense, 109th. Senior linebacker Lavani Dumoni, an honorable mention all-conference selection, leads the team in tackles with 34. On the back end, cornerback and senior Kai Blue Kelly is an NFL prospect. He's only racked up, though, 12 tackles and one pass defended on the season. The Cardinals have made twice as many interceptions as the Irish. Of course, that doesn't mean much since Notre Dame only has picked off one pass. Overall, the Cardinal has the worst turnover ratio in the nation at minus two and a half per game. Tim Priester, the Irish have won three straight in this series by an average of 24.3 points. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Stanford has lost 11 straight games to FBS teams, 10 straight games to Pac-12 teams. When they scored first against Oregon State, it was the first time that they'd led in a game in seven straight games. Uh, they're pretty bad. So, you know, I mean, it comes back scan offense for Notre Dame. Again, I'm overusing that phrase, but possess the football, move it, run it. They're giving up, Stanford's giving up 5.6 yards per carry. But I really think, I mean, in order for uh, Stanford to outscore Notre Dame, Tanner McKee has to have a massive day. And I think if Notre Dame's pass rush, put some pressure on him and, and forces him to use his feet to put himself in a position to throw. He's not capable of doing that. So I think I'm going to say, um, you know, offensively, they've got to do what they've done the last couple of games. But defensively, it's putting Tanner McKee on the run uh, and compromising their passing game with their big receiving core. Okay, they do have a big receiving core. That's one thing I didn't mention. Uh, they're all big in stature now tim priester's aston words key to victory is do what you do well on offense but rush the passer and get him out of his comfort zone defensively and tim priester who is this week's aspen mortgage key player for the irish Tariq bracy is is limited probably won't play or if he plays he's not going to be 100 percent and he has been Notre Dame's best cover corner. He plays a lot of nickel and has been really, really good. Started coming on last season. has been really good this season. So without him, Jaden Mickey is the number two nickel, nickel back for Notre Dame. And he's had his struggles at times, but they love him. They love his demeanor, his, his attitude, the way he approaches the game. So Jaden Mickey is probably going to have to match up at times on the inside with Elijah Higgins, who's 234. So if it's not Mickey, they may stick Ramona Henderson in that role. Henderson's a little bit bigger to, to take on that the bigger receiver in Elijah Higgins. Okay, but we're going to call Jaden Mickey, freshman Jaden Mickey, who's going to probably be seeing quite a bit of action as the nickelback this week. And that is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage. For all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Uh, Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into this game and uh, a big loss uh, in practice this week? 
Yeah, Bo Bauer, uh, who was on the verge of setting the all-time record for games played that Kurt Heinisch set last year. He's bothered by a shoulder all year, and then in practice on Tuesday, he got rolled up by an offensive lineman and tore up his knee pretty badly. So his career at Notre Dame is over. Uh, so that's a bit of a that's a blow. We'll probably see more Prince Collie. Howard Cross the third will give it a go on the inside of the the, uh, the interior defensive line. They need him. I mentioned Tariq Bracy, not expecting a ton out of him with a hamstring. Uh, and I would throw in, of course, the loss of Jacob Lacey uh, last week when he chose to preserve a year of eligibility. Yeah, okay, a big loss in Bo Bauer, and yet that's the second captain to have gone down this year, also with the preseason loss of Avery Davis. Thanks, Tim, and that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report, and it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas, says the Irish by 16 and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? Well, you, you, you have to search long and hard to find some good stats uh, associated with Stanford's defense. They're 110th in scoring defense, 121st in rushing defense. I mentioned giving up 5.6 yards per carry. So, you know, I mean, Notre Dame should have success running the football. They've done a really excellent job of balancing the offense between run and pass in the last two games when they've gained about 1,100 yards. So I expect Notre Dame to move the football. I expect them to be better in the red zone than they were last week. They only scored one touchdown in four red zone appearances. Ironically, Phil Stanford is pretty good in the red zone defensively, but I think Notre Dame is due to, to even things up a little bit. Stanford can score. I mean, they're going to move the football. Uh, they have the components they need to, to pass the football. Uh, and, and score some points. But I think at the end of the day, uh, Nordheim's defense is clearly the superior defense on the field. I have a 41-23 score. Notre Dame wins. ND 41, Stanford 23. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And Tim, I, I expect uh, the week-to-week progress that we've been seeing out of the Irish to continue and considering the troubles that Stanford is having with injuries on their offensive line, the Irish pass rush should be able to do their job and have a good day. Notre Dame 38, Stanford 14. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.